Hello, and welcome to New Tricks, the weekly podcast from New Dog PR. I'm Emily Newman, and together with Catherine Dogrell, we're a strategic PR company which understands investing in hotels and the many roles within them. This podcast is a chance to mull over the current goings on in hotel land and chat to some pleasant folk about the things that they know. Catherine is a genius with the written word. A journalist with 20 years experience in the sector, she has worked for publications including the FT, Business 2.0 and the leading hotel B2B titles, as well as writing her book, Checking Out, What the Rise of the Sharing Economy Means for the Future of the Hotel Industry, published by Bloomsbury. Emily has an in-depth knowledge of the hotel sector from both the investor and consumer sides and has built up a reputation for skillful and strategic PR. And she's a decent person who you could trust with your puppy. So, 2020, that was a thing. People have been trying to work out how bad 2020 can possibly get. And at the time that we're recording this, there's still plenty of exciting scope for things that could go wrong in, I believe, the final 14 days, um, even if you take out Brexit. But the good news for Emily is that she's just gone into tier two. So if Emily sounds excited and or is rushing through this, to get out the door to do whatever it is that you can do in tier two. Um, I have no idea what that might be, but you can do it now, whatever it is. So it's very exciting. Um, it remains to be seen what tier two will tier bring. Two, Quite two. like tier three, I had absolutely no idea, but tier, tier two sounds delightful. So I'll take oh, that. Brilliant, doesn't it? So whatever it is, you can do more of it. Um, but what we found, of course, this year is that what you can't do more of uh, was hoteling. Um, unless you were at, at different points during the year, either a professional sports person um obviously a member of any kind of sports service uh, and a at some points work uh, worker in advertising I believe was a thing um lots of different opportunities to stay in hotels but for the general human out and about there was a no out and about and b no hotels and as you can imagine that uh caused a huge raging hotel apocalypse of which all of you listening to this are well aware having lived that dream but um but what we're going to talk today about today are some of the trends that have come out of this rather than just the general suffering. Um, and of course, as we know, it's not over yet. The next six months will be absolutely crucial to many people in the hotel sector. Um, it's, uh, as Arnie Sorensen said, it's only going to get worse before it gets better. And um, anyone who hasn't got six months worth of cash in their bank uh, is liable to find themselves sucked into, at the very least, a great big giant deal. And uh, we're watching Hyatt for that at the moment. So um, if you're listening there, Hyatt, you get on with it, but not over the Christmas period um, because Emily's in tier two. Yes, <laughs> quite. You know, if you could just manage your M&A around my mince pie eating, that would be joyful. Exactly. So so this year I had uh, two glorious weeks off um, from work and I dragged myself to an Airbnb, um, of which more later. Um, but And while I was there, the story of the summer broke and the story of the summer for the UK was undoubtedly Travelodge, which enjoyed its second CBA. Uh, it had a lovely one in 2012, which it very much enjoyed. It got rid of some debt. And, um, and the minute there's the slightest hint of a waft of a downturn, you can pretty much guarantee that Travelodge will be straight in there like so many canaries um, enjoying yet another CBA. Except this time, it didn't go down so well. Um, unfortunately for it, and the owner started to give a bit of kickback, um, which was kind of intriguing because you don't normally see that. So, Emily, what did you enjoy most about the Travelodge debacle, if anything at all? What it brought to light was the the risk sharing, was the relationship, and that will be the ongoing thread that will continue to be tugged at. Um, how the 
owners, work with the brands, the long-term impact of that risk sharing, how the brands respond to the owners. We know that that has, we're going to use the term accelerator trend. Sorry. We could, we could, I know, I know we could start some sort of chart, couldn't we? Let's do that. I mean, now I'm in tier two. That's, that's very yeah, possible. Yeah, that's what, true. You can put that you start charts. Brilliant. Um, what do you think the long-term impact of that, of risk sharing may well be? Um, well, we haven't. We're, it's intriguing because there was um, lots of excitement around um, Accor and Ago, which involved all sorts of um, hybrid products and more lease sharing, um, more risk sharing um, for those uh, involved in the leased market. And there was hope that many, many, many hotels would go over to them and give Travelodge a bloody nose. Um, that didn't happen in the end, probably because the 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 way that the structure was uh, put together was a tiny, tiny bit complicated. It was a little bit more than just sort of we're going to shift from one brand to another. And um, in the event, Secure Income REIT decided to stick with Travelodge after months of saying that Travelodge were awful and terrible and dreadful and awful. And they decided in the end, actually, they were super brilliant um, and like a really great economy operator. So they stick with them. Um, so, so that was fine. And it caused a lot of people to stick with what they knew. Uh, so there wasn't the huge shift that we saw at the time, but there has been the idea that there is potential for this. Um, and we saw that as well from um, Pandox's Anders Nissen, who is all about sharing the trauma and there should be more of brands taking on risk and this sort of thing. And he said that what he saw coming out of the sector would be more people go, um, staying local and then for more interest in local brands, which would give the big brands something to think about and maybe they'd have to compete more which could be an exciting thing. So, um, so Emily, did you enjoy any local brands? Well, this is this is another trend, isn't it? We all looked to local, whether that be our local community. I refer you back to the new national anthem of the mm. pots and pans and the wooden spoon. Mm. We now know who our neighbours are, oh, maybe yeah. even their name. So um, we know that the delightful deli at the end of the road is run by Martha and Arthur, and Ooh. they serve a cracking cheese sandwich. Um, so local discovery in general I think a sense of community a sense of locality um has all kind of come to come to light over the last few months um while you were talking I was thinking the sort of on the travel lodge thing but generally I suppose the sector shuttering at a moment's notice um and 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 the the impact of of not really the realization that that happening we the, the sector just doesn't have one coherent voice um yeah. and we've seen how we've seen sterling efforts from uh kate at uk hospitality and and many others but i just think when you you know when you compare other other segments within the travel and the hospitality sector e.g the airlines you know they were instantly there hands out yeah um cash from governments are plenty um i think it's really shown us all how fragmented the sector is and that there's there's an urgent and really pressing need for us all to come to, for us all to come together and there'd be one collective voice yes i've been enjoying very much enjoying the seat at the table campaign at the moment yeah to petition for a hospitality mp um unfortunately the uk government didn't see it that way and replied saying wow but we've given you all these wonderful furloughing and it's been so lovely whereas here in france um Accor was straight on the door at the elysee palace saying this, this, this and this, um, and it was universally heard and all the restaurants around here pretty much have a choice whether they, well not, you can't take guests in, but whether they try and do takeaway or whether they just close entirely because they know that they'll be completely supported 
and that um, when things improve, they will open up and all will be well. Whereas in the UK, it's really the bet is still out there as to whether anyone will open up after this is this is still over. And you talk to any number of hoteliers in London in particular, and they're shuttering now until spring. And um, I think in the, the latest jobs report for the UK in November, more than a quarter of a million jobs lot had been lost in, um, in the sector. And this is far from ideal um, for something which provides so much huge volumes of cash. Um, I think Simon Emily at, at Fuller's, who's always the sober voice of, of, um, of wisdom, came out and said at their results, you know, the Treasury has lost 70 million in tax from us this year. I hope that Rishi Sunak is looking closely because he's going to need that at some point. And of course, this is this is before the furlough scheme. We're talking about we're talking about these statistics as the furlough schemes are still operating when they come mm. to an end, um, and the uh, wave of unemployment hits, which will um, which the burden of which will fall uh, desperately, sadly, on the youth. And I think the political challenge is then to understand how we get those people back into the workforce give them the relevant skills so and and the hospitality hospitality sector um that is where the majority of uh youth are are employed so there's a big challenge yes if you show you don't value a segment um it's very tricky to carry on running it and it's certainly not tempting to think oh maybe i'll go back into my job running a hotel which takes 20 hours out of every 24 in my day or maybe i won't as we know people do people do hospitality because they are hospitable they do it because they love it um that's what this entire this entire sector is built on um moving on from shuttering and doom and gloom to to cheery news of an ipo ah yes yes we couldn't we couldn't not talk about it we couldn't not talk about it it, no Um, um what th- what what say you uh, knowing what we know now um well i've got lots of questions i've got lots of questions <laughs> well it, um, was, it was fun for for airbnb um at the beginning of the year because um obviously it went it's up for them as it did for the rest of the sector and they had to go running to really quite aggressive private equity which is not to say private equity which is quite aggressive these are quite aggressive for private equity players anyone who's dealt with these guys um, knows that difficult times are ahead and so really um, and they did not underpay um, for the money that they got at Airbnb so you knew the minute that they did it that some kind of exit was going to have to be sought and really sooner rather than later so the IPO which they've been muttering on and on about for years was almost undoubtedly going to happen have to happen um, this winter and indeed it has um, and they had a, a really a tremendous summer. Uh, if you look at the numbers, really, it was a shocking summer. But compared to hotels, a tremendous summer because suddenly everyone could get away, sit as I did in a vineyard, rocking backwards and forwards on my uh, on my chair with my shotgun, making sure that nobody came within half a mile. And uh, very successful it was too. And lots of other people thought the same because it's it's all fine and dandy when the brands are releasing big, we're going to you know chemically treat this room and it's going to be great and wonderful. But I used to be a chambermaid. And let me tell you, <laughs> those cleaning strategies are only as good as the person implementing them. And there are many, mm. many fine people working in the sector. And I was not one of them. And I would not necessarily have wanted to stay in a room that I had cleaned to a COVID standard. And lots of people clearly feeling that they uh, they didn't have the same level of, uh, of trust necessarily looked to Airbnb as something they could control themselves in a time when we all had limited control. Um, so Airbnb, it looked like it was ticking along for them and they thought, let's make loads of money. And then they did make loads of money. So, um, so what next? What next for Airbnb? What 
next indeed. What's your view on where Airbnb sits? Um, Is it a travel brand or is it a tech company? Well, they describe themselves as a tech company. Mm. Um, And that is very much the case um, because they do not act as a host and they do not act as far as I can tell from recent dealings with them, they don't act for the consumer. (laughs) (laughs) More on that. In a bit. (laughs) But um, yes, they're a a tech company, um, but they put on this sort of veneer of, you know, we're local homespun. Hey, you guys, all going to be great. Um, Sort of thing, which makes you think, and you can stay there, which makes you think that it's like a hotel because you can stay there. So you can't stay there. You're staying in some random person's house and Airbnb has made you feel better about it because they've branded it. Um, and that is fantastic for the moment of times that it works. But what I'd be interested to see for them is where they can go from here because they don't have any assets. Um, all they have is their brand, which is a mm. very dangerous position to find yourself in. If anything goes wrong with that brand, as Mr. Ratner will tell you, then um, you can find yourself with a number of horrifying issues. They did, um, ahead of all this, talk about how they were going to get into long term, into student, all these areas which are much more reliable um, and much easier income, but without obviously um, some of the exciting spikes that you can get from short term. And that was all going to be fine. And then, of course, they had the opportunity over the summer to stick with to stick with their knitting for it and for it to go well. But um, they've shown in the past they will swivel to the sun like so many sunflowers. Um, and that's great when you're private. When you're on the public markets, there will be scrutiny and transparency and people want to see what you're doing. Um, and they have just come into a really awful lot of money and they will be expected to spend it and they will be expected to spend it well. Um, and so there's lots of speculation about where they could go. Are they going to become an OTA? Are they going to buy, a, I don't know, they could buy a hotel company, probably buy Marriott at this point. Um, where are they going to go? What are they going to do? Whatever they're going to do, they're going to have to get on with it and do it because the growth that they can have in supply in their traditional home sharing and it's not home sharing, but what they would like to tell you is home sharing sector is it's not finite as such, but you cannot have the exponential growth that they've been seeing for so long. They will have growth as a result of the imminent downturn as people need to pay their mortgages, but that's not going to be enough to excite their investors long term. So they're going to have to think about a strategy. <laughs> S word. I remain hugely staggered to the levels of loss that Airbnb consistently produce and report. What what's your any thoughts on that? Um it's they have a lot of people working for them. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit tricky. Those pink logos don't make themselves, you know. Um, this is true. I saw somebody with a backpack that had the logo on on the metro actually yesterday and it was all I could do not to push them under the tracks. But that would be murder and you cannot condone that kind of thing to come on a podcast. But <laughs> but I did think, nah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, you the logos, you know, it takes a lot of time. Yeah, and they are charming, charming logos. And they do have a, a quite complex technology platform to run. Um, you've got 6 million um, people potentially or 6 million properties potentially interacting with it. Um, and that's, you know, that's a, that's a bit of a ball ache. I've no doubt there are many. Things. And also their legal team must be absolutely immense because they are firefighting in pretty much every significant city in the world, trying to get their point across um, and dealing with constantly changing likes, dislikes, um, different people coming in, fighting, not fighting. Uh, even the city of Bath, where I used to live, has a vehement opposition to Airbnb and is trying to force it into licensing um, and registration. 
So the legal team alone is going to really be sucking up cash. So, Logos, uh, keyboards and lawyers, that'll do it. Exactly, exactly. Not inexpensive. And they've made some expensive hires in the past. Um, we have very high profile people from the hotel sector. Um, and of course, they bought some stuff. They bought Hotel Tonight, um, which they have not done too much with. So when you buy stuff, you don't do anything with it. You're not getting that kind of wear per day that you might mm-hmm. get from a justifiable expensive hat, say. So, And we've all been there. Exactly. I wear that hair. Um, what do you think the hotel sector are thinking as they're looking at Airbnb no, right no, now? No, no, no. <laughs> it could be an ex- expressed in an emoji. <laughs> yes, I think I think uh, Edward Munch said it best. But um, yes, I imagine they're thinking that hopefully it will go away soon. Um, but they're also they are coming out and trying to do something about it. They have realised that what Airbnb for all its failings of itself, what it has done to the hotel sector is remind it that service is like a thing and you should do it. Um, Because Airbnb, for all its many, many flaws, um, often I have found that hosts I have stayed not with, because that's weird, but that I have have stayed in the properties of, have been tremendously helpful. Um, From everything, from, you know, I'm flying in late, providing me with, you know, wine and milk and that sort of thing. Something that hotels just, just don't do. Um, so telling you where, you know, the bars go, where they go with their friends and, you know, what's happening today and the stuff that you would expect a concierge to do, but without, you know, the, the inevitable kickback. They've flown hotels that there is a different way and that people want something different and new and that they want properties where they can stay with friends and family that doesn't involve having to drink in the bathroom in the middle of the night and just simple things like that. Quite. I was just going to mention that sitting on a bathroom floor with a glass of red wine while a small human goes to sleep in the bedroom um and there are hotels i have seen them myself who have grasped grasped that this is not the most pleasurable way to spend an evening um and much like airbnb offer multiple rooms for wine drinking and sleeping um perhaps this is something that that (laughs) hotels would like to do as well so there's sort of multiple things I guess that the sector has um, come to realize over the last few months not least service and wine drinking spaces that aren't bathroom floors exactly but for hotels particularly the ones run by the large global operators the main concern for them is that Airbnb will come in and steal their business customers at the moment there aren't any business customers to steal so that's kind of okay um, but they're, so they're not screaming as much as they could be. Obviously, Airbnb is an irritant and I don't know why they can't wear ties. It's very confusing, but um, they're not, it's not so awful unless loads of CEOs start staying there and not spending their loyalty points there and spending them somewhere else. Then it will start to get very, very irritating. But while it's sort of, you know, the likes of me, they're not really missing out on a terribly large amount, I don't think. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it's not too awful, but it's, it's one to watch. And obviously they're interested to see where all this goes, um, and, you know, where they can, if they suddenly move into, they suddenly buy a hotel company or something along those lines, then, you know, it's going to be game on. I think something, um, else that seems fairly prominent, um, let, let that not even be an understatement, um, over the course of the last few months is the importance of communication. I don't think we need to dwell too much on the go to work, don't go to work, go out, don't go out. Um, And we've all enjoyed, um, we've seen epic fails in communication, whether that be politically, corporately, um, internally, externally, but we've also seen some brilliant examples um, of how to communicate on a more human level um, 
how many supermarket CEO emails did you get at the beginning of lockdown were all sincere um, and perhaps that shift in communication to a more human tone is something that's been um, a long time coming and much welcome um, and I think as as uh, corporate messages get more human perhaps people start engaging a little bit more what do you think? Yes, I think they could well be. The, the trouble with corporate messages getting more human is that they then have to follow through um, with it. That's yeah. true. And that's that's the thing. Um, so one of the, to drag us back to Airbnb again, because it's always inevitable. Um, one of the interesting things about Airbnb is that they were they have created this sort of peer-to-peer experience, which they overlay with their brand um, to reassure you. The difficulty be that when you, for example, find that a host has taken £2,000 from you completely unjustifiably, your ire is then aimed not only at Airbnb for facilitating this apocalypse, but also to an actual person, which is a very strange place to be because you have this kind of the rage of the corporate machine, which has screwed you, and also a very personal rage where you've seen a photo of this person, interacted with them, and then they've stolen from you. And you just don't get that from a double tree. You just don't. It's just very strange. So, so, so they certainly need to work on their, you know, homespun. We're all a part of the same community together scenario because, because as you said, it's a, it's a difficult thing to manage. Once you go personal, it's very, very complicated, and it's much more complicated than managing a corporate voice. Um, having to manage these dual voices, or in the case of Airbnb, you know, potentially millions of voices, and bring them all onto the same brand. Um, and I think it's something that's going to challenge them in the future. And it's a message, isn't it? It's a message saying, hold me to account. So don't be yeah. surprised when people actually do. Yes, exactly. So it's an it's a interesting bar to, to set. And I'll see how they all work out from that in the future. I think what people want most out of the pandemic, or what I want most out of the pandemic, and I'm not really an outlier in my thinking, um, is just reliability. Um, these have been difficult, confusing times for all of us. And, um, and what we would like is some consistency and to know what, how things are going in a world where there is huge screeds of uncertainty so if you know somebody wants to deliver something to my house at a certain time if you could deliver that i'm going to look more favorably on your you know ceo message of your ceo in his christmas jumper or her christmas jumper talking about you know what a super kick-ass time we're going to have next year and so say all of us absolutely mm. um i think that concludes 2020 pretty nicely in, in ho- from hotel land any other thoughts well what are you looking forward to in 2021 um, other than new presidents and vaccines galore, Ooh. I know. I'm, um, I'm going to try and stick with my old president. Um, oh yes, do that. Although yeah. he's not, he's not that well at the moment. I hear he's not that well. Whatever it takes to get up. Having dinner with Boris Johnson, I'm afraid. <laughs> the lengths that they will go to. The lengths they will go to. So I'm waiting to see if he gets all these like groovy steroids that um, that Trump got, and then go completely mental and start, you know, ripping his shirt off and running naked down the Champs Elysees. We can all look forward to that. We can, we can all look forward to that. Court, so it should be, you know, less traumatic than it possibly could be. Yeah, <laughs> a super aggressive Macron. Um, well, it's been a pleasure, always a pleasure. Um, and we will, I think next time we're going to have a little chat about 2021 and all the joy that that might bring. Sounds good. Sounds good. I shall hear you. I was going to say I'll <laughs> see you then. I won't. But it's, it's quite nice not to see someone's face after a... a epically long amount of zooming i'm so sorry (laughs) in the nicest possible way (laughs) have a marvelous marvelous christmas time and um we will podcast again in the new year and look forward to 2021 and all that it brings 
best of the festive season to everyone. Cheerio! Bye! So that concludes our thoughts for this week. Thank you to everyone involved in creating this episode and providing something for your ears whilst walking the dog, washing the cat, chopping the veg, or however else you pass the time while podcasting. Please do review and subscribe if you get your ear entertainment via Apple, or follow new tricks if your ear delight comes from Spotify. These things make a difference, apparently. Until next time.